I talked a little bit about how our identity is built by trying to gain love, attention, and acceptance. And we do it by this do-it-yourself techniques. But the Bible refers to or calls it the flesh. We discovered that the flesh refers to the old ways of doing things. By, we, by what, how we try to attempt to get our needs met. God created humanity with a burning need for love. In fact, if you didn't need love, you wouldn't need God. There's no country song that's looking for love in all the wrong places. And that's what most of us have done throughout our life. The Word of God teaches that God is love and that He loves us. Now, that's a good popular message for us as Christians. But it makes no sense to the atheist as he looks at life and as he looks at the Christians. If God is a God of love, why is there all this suffering? And I remember as a young Marine in Vietnam, seeing all this disaster that happened to people there that had nothing to do with the war. And I thought to myself, where is God? I wasn't a Christian. I thought, well, where is he? He's certainly not here. He doesn't care about these people. And so the atheist says, where is your God? If he's in control, we can't believe it. It looks like he's out of control. So I want us to go to 1 John 4, 9 and 10. The Bible says this. By this the love of God was manifested in us. I love that part of it. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The real question is, how do we know love? Well, the Bible says and explains it pretty well. The Bible says that you were born a sinner because of Adam that you were dead spiritually because of sin. And then God sent his own son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. And we have discovered throughout the weeks that your sins are no longer held against you if you are in Christ. The Bible says that they are forgiven, forgotten, and that's how much God loves you. I know that life isn't fair and that the world is a mess and that humanity is out of control. Millions of people every week go to psychiatrists and psychologists to find out why they are like they are, why they think the way that they think. 
and why they act the way that they act. These doctors, they try and go back and find some sort of issues that you may have had growing up, problems with your parents, the way they were, the way that you were disciplined, or the absence of discipline. The truth is, if you're going back to your parents, then you have to go back to their parents, and then you have to go back to their parents, and you have to keep going back until you end up back in the Garden of Eden. The truth is, and you will find out that Satan was the cause of it all. So instead of blaming our parents because of the scars or the patterns that we have, or the lack of love that you may have experienced, we look to the real source of love, and that would be God. But I believe the biggest mistake that parents make the biggest mistake that the church makes is this idea that we put everyone on a performance-based acceptance. And you know what I mean. It works like this. If you perform well, then you will be shown love and you'll be rewarded. But if you don't, we will find some form some way to reject you. Parents, here is what happens, and it happens unconsciously. But the fact, the real truth is that you have something that your children need, and it's called love. And you may be using it to control them. And that is not a good way of doing it. The challenge for parents today is to have their children grow up and see that Jesus Christ is not only Lord and Savior, but that he has accepted them completely just the way they are. That he couldn't love them anymore and accept them anymore as if they had never had sin in their life. And that he'll never love or accept them any less, no matter how many sins they commit. But before that truth can be relayed, the parents have to believe it. And we face some real challenges for the church. We need to get the right view of God. There are a lot of questions about God floating around the Christian camps today. If God is all-knowing, why did he create the devil? Did God create sin? When things go bad, a family member gets cancer. A son or daughter runs away. I experienced both of those. Just recently, my daughter-in-law, who I love dearly, found out that she had colon cancer. And she's going to be having surgery the day after Thanksgiving. Years ago, I was sitting in the largest church in the world in South Korea. 
And I was sitting there and tears were running out of my eyes as I was listening to the message being translated into English. I sat in the English section. Over a million members. And then I got this message from my wife that my son, our son, has disappeared, has run away. And it took us eight long, agonizing months before we found him. There is pain and suffering and trials and tribulations that go on in this whole world of ours. A person may lose his or her job. And they almost turn on themselves. What did I do wrong? What's wrong with me anyway? And we try to find a reason. And so we try to connect the dots to see what God is doing, what he's thinking. But the disciples, they did the same. You remember the incident in John chapter 9, verse 2, and the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? The disciples have been taught all their lives that illness is a sign of God's judgment. And there are some Christians who still believe that to this day. Look at some of the healers that we see on TV today. They're standing up there and they're calling out the demon of diabetes. They're calling out the demon of cancer. And so... Are we led to believe that if we have cancer, we have a demon in us? Are we led to believe if we're a diabetic, we have a demon in us? It's craziness. So let's cover some of the understandings, misunderstandings that Christians have about God. Did God create the devil or Satan? The question is no. No, he didn't. God created Lucifer, the son of the morning, once an angel of light, according to Isaiah. Ezekiel tells us about how he openly rebelled and was cast out of heaven with a host of angels. He rebelled against God. And Lucifer created Satan. He accomplished the fall of Adam and Eve by insinuating doubt about God. Doubt about God's goodness. And we seem to have a lot of that today. Satan is the cause and the fruitage of sickness and death. There's no question about it. God gave Lucifer a choice. You see, worship has to be a choice. It's not worship if we are forced to worship God. God did not program us as robots. He gave us the freedom to choose. And you know, 
Real freedom is, even in, as a Christian, real freedom is, yes, I don't have to do it, and yes, I can do it. That's freedom. If you don't have that power of choice, you don't have freedom. And so God, in his love, he gave us the power to choose. And if you make a decision in your life that you don't want anything to, with God, so be it. That's a choice that you make. And there's consequences to our choices. And that's what Romans, the first chapter, is all about. It's about choosing to believe or not to believe. It's belief or unbelief and the consequences of it. Yes, there are consequences of our choices. Adam and Eve were given a choice. And they were told about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God told them, you shall not eat from it, nor should you touch it. And if you do, you will die. Now, God wasn't going to kill them. And so we find out that we would die spiritually. God is the giver of life. God is the giver of freedom. He gives us a choice. If you want it, it's your choice. All right, what about when bad things do happen? So first, let me say this. This world of ours is broken. It's a fallen world and it's a mess. Most of us have never had the privilege that Jack has had of going around the world three times. But I've been in a large part of the world, and I can tell you this world is a mess. And it's not going to be fixed. It's a broken mess. And the world is coming at us. And we're here every day, 24-7, and we make decisions, and those decisions have consequences. It's not God doing all these bad things. It's the consequences of our choices. We often hear when someone passes away, God took her. God took him. I think most of the times it's said because people don't know what to say. They say they want to give some sort of comfort. So they say God took them. What does that mean? That God killed them? Is that what that means? What does it really mean? It implies that God causes death. God is a life giver. He's not a life taker. Does God make bad things happen to discipline us? Absolutely not. We have a misconception, a misunderstanding of God. So let's look at it. We have this image of God when he disciplines us. He disciplines us because we messed up. That is not true. 
we think that God's discipline is reactionary. When we misbehave, God reacts. When we behave, God reacts. It sounds like Christian karma. You know, what goes around comes around. Most religions of the world embrace this concept. But this is not how God works. Remember that the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Jesus already reacted to our sins. God, the Father, already reacted when Jesus went to the cross for the sins of the world. Discipline comes from the same Greek word as disciple. And what was Jesus doing with his disciples? He was teaching them. He was mentoring them. He was molding them. He was counseling with them. Discipline is not a reaction to sin. It has to do with molding and shaping us. The truth is, we are always under God's discipline. He is recreating us into his image, the Bible says. And how is he doing that? Well, he's shaping us. He's molding us. He's counseling us each and every day. All too often when bad things happen or trials come our way, we try to read the tea leaves. We try to connect the dots. We try and figure out what God is doing and why he's doing it. God is not angry with us, as some believe. The Bible says in Romans 5 that we are saved from the wrath of God. God is not angry with us. In fact, he overshadows us with his love. Overshadows us with it. But we try to figure him out. What is God doing? Most of the issues that we face today are from a fallen world. It's not God doing it. Many are concerned about spiritual warfare. There are some Christian folks, that's all they talk about. It's a demon behind every bush. I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. The Bible says, greater is he that is within than he that is in the world. We give too much credit to Satan. It's the battle of the mind. I can't overemphasize it and... This whole thing about how Satan works. The Bible to me is very clear. The Bible says that he's in our thoughts. He plants ideas. He gives us messages. 
And Paul identified it as the power of sin that dwells within us. It's the battle of the mind. And God's final word is in the Son. In Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 and 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. God has already said what he wants you to hear. He wishes everyone would be saved. That's what he said. But he's given everybody a choice. You can choose it. He wants you to know that if you are in Christ, your sins have been taken away, forgiven and forgotten. And what do we see today? We see Christian churches all over saying that everyone is going to be facing the judgment bar of God and their sins are going to be shown up on this giant screen. And God says, wait a minute. I've not only forgiven them, I've forgotten them. He's not going to bring, bring it up in the judgment. You've already passed through the judgment when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He wants you to know that. He wants you to know that your sins are forgiven and forgotten. He wants you to know that you have a new heart. A new heart. God gave you a new heart. He exchanged your human heart for his heart. And you are pure and perfect at your very core. God wants you to know that he is recreating you into his image. That's what he's doing. He's teaching you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He wants you to know that he speaks to you through the word. He speaks to you through your mind. He speaks to you through your core, your new heart. That's how he speaks to you. When you pick up this word and you read it, Remember what the Bible says, that he has spoken through Jesus Christ? That's why a lot of times things don't kind of work out. You read the Old Testament and you read about some of the things that took place in the Old Testament and you can't figure it out. You can't even connect the dots. And so God is telling us, quit trying to connect the dots. Quit trying to read the tea leaves. Listen to the sun. Listen to the Son. He wants you to know that when your mind agrees with your heart and when your mind and heart agrees with the word, you go with it. You go with it. You believe it because it's true. God wants you to believe what's true about you. God recreated you. You were born again. Now, I know that there is a popular belief amongst Christians today that they use, they go back into the Old Testament and say, there's none righteous, no, not one. 
that we're all evil, we got a wicked heart. What? How can we say that we have a wicked heart when God gave us a new heart? Did he give us a new wicked heart? It makes no sense. He gave us his heart at our deepest core. If it agrees with our mind and agrees, agrees with our deepest core, our heart, and it's in the word of God, run with it, believe it, accept it. It's true. And you have a choice to make. You have a choice to believe it. Or you can reject it. You can refuse it. You have that choice. Here we are, a Christian nation with over 300 different denominations that dwell in them. It's my contention if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, no matter what fellowship that you are in, you are safe and secure in Christ. We, not, we may not believe exactly the same on everything. I had a Jehovah Witness come to my home just recently. And when he came into my home, he sat down in my living room and I asked him, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, I know a little bit about, he didn't know who I was. I said, I know a little bit about you folks. And I said, uh, tell me, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And he said, yes, sir, I have. I walked up to him and put my arms around him. I said, welcome to the family of God. Now we have stark, stark difference in our beliefs. But to me, he's a brother in Christ if he's, if he's accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Now, I know that we have an understanding or we, we, we think when we think of coming to Christ and everything that some feel that the purpose of the Christian is to serve God. Do you think that that's what God created us for? To serve him? That's what the purpose was of creation? I don't. The true fulfillment of God is to know God's love, embrace the freedom and the joy of being united with him through Christ. That's the purpose of humanity. So that we can worship him in our freedom. We can worship him because we love him. Why do we love him? The Bible says because he first loved us. And how did he demonstrate that? He forgave us for all of our sins. He cast them into the depths of the sea. And he says, I will remember them no more. That's how much he loves us. And I can tell you right now that the choices that we have to make, we need, we have a choice of believe what God says is true or believe what religion tells us. That's the choice that we have. And I can tell you one thing. Christ is always with us. Christ is always for us. Christ is always in us. That's the gospel. That is the truth of the gospel. That is the truth that will set us free. 
God, he looks at us. We're unique. We are very unique. And God's desire is to live his life through you in that uniqueness of you. There's nobody else like you. God loves that about you. He knows what we've been through. He knows our backgrounds. He knows everything about us. And yet, he came to us and we embraced him. And he created within us a new us, a new you. You're new. You're new at the core. You are everything that God wants you to be. You don't have to worry about pleasing God. You are pleasing to God. You accepted him as Lord and Savior. That's all he asked for. It's all he's ever asked for. He says, I wish above everything that everyone would be saved. He wants everybody saved. But he gave us the choice. And we have the choice this morning to believe him. To believe what he says is true about us. That we are loved by him. He thinks the world of us. He does. He thinks the world of you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what trials or tribulations you're facing, no matter how much unbelief you may have, he thinks the world of you. He died for you. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for all that you have done for us. All that you are doing through us. We're thankful for the guarantee that you have given to us. That you would never leave us nor forsake us. That you would be with us all the way to the very end. And Lord, I pray when all these trials and tribulations we won't try to figure out and connect all the dots. We'll just believe what you said is true. That no matter what happens, you're going through it with us. And that's good enough for us. We thank you, Lord, for loving us when we are at times so unlovable. We thank, we're thankful that you care for us when sometimes we are so careless. We appreciate everything that you're doing here and around the world. Bless us now. Help us to have a great rest of the day. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.